Hi, welcome back to Conversations with Kevin. Today we have a special guest who is the first master female door gunner in Canada, a football player, a firefighter, and a triathlete. Let's go for a ride. I'd like to introduce you to Bridget. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's more than a pleasure. So how you been? Been busy, yeah. Busy. Obviously with all the things you just listed, but... uh, I couldn't keep up with one of them. (laughs) Well... I, that's what that, that's what I like about it, though. It's like all the planning, the organization, like the discipline yeah. it requires. Yeah, kinda, that's cool. Yeah, gets me going. I enjoy it. Yeah. So we'll start with firefighting because I knew I knew you first as a firefighter. Yeah. And you're wearing your firefighter yeah, T-shirt. Yeah. So and that that makes it cool because it's it's a it's a big part of who you are. Yeah. So how did you become or how did you get the desire to be a firefighter? It was like one of those things since I was a kid. Like growing really? up, I like I that was. Yeah, growing up was just one of those things I really wanted to do, and then uh, obviously kind of like September 11th happened, and I remember watching that on TV with my family, and kind of like seeing as everybody was running out, like they were like running towards the danger and everything, and I thought that was like really noble. Yeah. So I was like, man, like those people are putting aside all their concerns or whatever, and they're just going in there to try to help people. Running into a building that's... Yeah. ...been hit by a plane Plane. is pretty brave. It's like burning for like several floors. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I think I that kinda... influenced a lot of young people your age. Because if I'm not, how old were you during 9/11? Uh, I would have been eight. Yeah. So yeah, that's an impressionable age. Yeah. So you saw something that impressed you at a young age that encouraged your future. That's that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's when a sad event. Well, it's a sad event, yeah. but it's cool that you got impressed enough to do something to be part of whatever might happen in the future. Let it be. Let it not be something as drastic as that. But yeah. just the idea that you you dedicated your life to risk yourself for other people's safety and, and health and life in general. You know, I mean, you're yeah. saving lives potentially. Uh, every time you go out, you could be saving a life because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, you know. Definitely. And I think that's something that my parents kind of like grew me into when I was a kid. Like my dad was a a doctor, my mom was a nurse. So they were always kind of like, you know, it's important to help other people and to give back and everything. So I kind of always grew up with like those values. So I thought firefighting was like the perfect job for that. And when did you decide to be like seriously say I'm doing this? Uh, Because I wanted to be an architect when I was a kid and that never happened. Yeah. So how did you come to the point where you said to yourself, okay, I'm going to school and I'm going to work yeah. out and I'm going to do what I have to do to be a fire person. I guess like the passion just kind of never went away. Like whenever I'd see a fire truck, I was still like super excited. I'd like sit by the firehouse in Lachine because I grew up in Lachine, mm-hmm. just waiting for them to go out for calls or whatever. And I was in university at Concordia and I was not liking it, but my parents wanted me to get a university degree. Fair enough. And there's station 10, which is right out when you walk out of the metro so every day i walked by that station and i was like man i don't want to be going to class right now like that's what i want to be doing after my first year i decided like it's my life like i'm gonna do what i want so i applied to the firefighting school and like got accepted worked hard because it's very competitive to get into the the Mm -hmm. schools and then to get a full-time job but yeah so that would have been in 2016 2015 i applied started in 2015 yeah and how many times did you try to get in or were you successful the first time because i I know a lot of people try several times and it's hard it is hard 
but I mean, we'll talk about it a bit later, but I already had at that point, like a few years of military experience. Okay. So that kind of like really prepared me in terms of like the physical aspect and like the interview. Like I had a background already a little bit that is similar to firefighting. So I think that helped me throughout the process. Also the discipline. Yeah. Because you need to be disciplined to be a firefighter. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I would, under- I would imagine, you know. And you need to be mature as well. Like, yeah. So I think, well, definitely the military gave me a, a level higher, I think, than most other candidates coming out of high school and applying. Plus, I'd already had a, un- a year of university. I'd already done CJEP. Mm-hmm. Whereas the school is open to people who come right out of high school. So I think a lot of younger kids don't have the experience or whatever that I may have had at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think the experience and what I've been through in life already kind of helped me through that process. Awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty incredible when you think about it that you had a goal yeah. and, you, and you did it and you were successful. And it, it shows that perseverance and determination and also uh, what I was saying before is the discipline it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were roadblocks. Like, I didn't get into Montreal the first year I applied. It took me a couple okay. years. So, but yeah, just not giving up. How... how- how did you get into Hudson? Is that was that your first uh, effort? Yeah, so school is like two to three years. I'd already done CJEP, so I did my schooling in two years. Normally, it's a three-year program for firefighting, mm-hmm. and so I graduated that in 2017. And then I kind of sent out my CV to different places because I knew I would probably wouldn't get to Montreal right away. And so I applied to Rigo, I applied to Boanoa, and they both said, well, they de- both never got back to me, and then Hudson got back to me. So wow. that's how I ended up here. That's Very cool. happy that I didn't end up in Rigo or Boanoa, yeah. to be fair, but yeah. And were you planning on living in Hudson anyways, or is that why no. you're living in Hudson? No, I was living with my parents that, at that point, okay. so I moved out here. So you were still in Lachine at the time? Yeah, yeah. So I was so 26. That's a big difference from happened. Lachine to Hudson. You know what? It's kind of similar though, because I grew it, up yeah. in like the suburban part, like the okay. outer edge of Lachine, right before yeah. Dorval. Yeah. So it's very similar. And I knew Hudson because I used to be a lifeguard, uh, lifeguard when I was a teen. So we'd come here for the How swim meets. How come I'm meets. not surprised you were a lifeguard? <laughs> yeah, now. well, great job though. As a teen, I definitely recommend that job. Yeah. But yeah, we'd come out here for like uh, swim competitions and swim meets at uh, the Hudson Yacht Club or the cool. uh, swimming pool here, and yeah, obviously St. the parties Thomas. at the Shat. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, so that's all I knew about Hudson and Daewoo camping. It's through yeah. lifeguarding. But I was like, okay, like Hudson seems like a cool place. And mm-hmm. yeah, I really love Hudson. Well, that's how yeah. we met because we were, we were neighbors. Yeah. Uh, you were neighbors with my other guest, which was Sammy, Sammy who's yeah. also a firefighter, and yeah. who explained his journey. And it's similar, but very different. Yeah. I mean, his inspiration was different than yours, but, well, actually, he did mention 9-11 was a big inspiration as well, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that's a lot of people your age that have that, as I said before. Yeah. What was your biggest challenge to be a firefighter? Uh, the biggest challenge is going to be the beep test. <laughs> so What's it's a like a test? cardio test. You know, you start at the line, and then you it beeps, and you got to run to the other line, and it beeps, and it goes faster and faster, and you got to do, like, 12 minutes of that. Oh, wow. So that was, like, the biggest – that was my biggest hurdle. Like, that's why I didn't get to Montreal the first time. I failed that test, even though I'd gotten through the interviews and stuff. I had trouble my last year of school uh, finishing that test, too. I had to work really hard. And I always hated endurance. That's the thing. I was always, like, into the weightlifting and, like – I was very strong, but I wasn't, like, a runner or anything like that. So I always had difficulty with that. Yeah. And then failing it in Montreal – kind of was like a slap in the face the first year I applied so I got into like running a ton 
and now I'm doing triathlon. So, <laughs> well, that's yeah. another interesting subject we'll get into. That you're a triathlete. Uh, I have a good friend who's actually coming over today who was a triathlete oh, yeah. as well, and it's it blows my mind that one of those things would ruin me. I, mean, I used to do cycling when I was younger before I had arthritis and all this stuff. I yeah. actually used to be in pretty good shape, hard to believe. Yeah. All <laughs> I've done is ask you guys for help since I've been living here. Glad to help. But uh, well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I used to do cycling in the woods. I used to do jogging in the woods, and uh, I can't imagine doing all three in the same day. Yeah. And swimming. I used to swim. I actually came in second in a Florida meet and swimming. Oh, really? So I, I know swimming, I know running, and I know cycling. Yeah. But to do all three in the same day and expect any mm-hmm. any possibility of finishing, <laughs> I just yeah. don't see that happening. Well, I mean, the, the race is a lot of fun, but I find like the training for it is just... I enjoy the training more than the actual race. I love the race. Yeah. I've only done one race, so I can't comment too much on it. I've got another one coming up in June. Okay. But I really enjoy the organization and the planning that it requires to like fit all these workouts in my day and like make sure I'm like I'm on the ball with like my scheduling and all that stuff. So that's what really that's what I like the best, the most about triathlon. It kind of forces you to be a better person in a way. It's back to discipline, which yeah. is a primary part of your personality. I guess, yeah. Due to the military training. And to become a military person, you already have to have a certain amount of discipline to, or at least not be afraid of it. Yeah. Because you, you know have drive. You yeah. have to have drive, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find that... Uh, Triathletes are a special breed of people. Uh, I, I think you guys like to suffer. Yes. Because <laughs> I don't see that as being pleasure. Yeah. I see that as suffering. But for you to enjoy it makes it really special. I, I, I admire that, and uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Because yeah. so, well, a lot of people have a hard time understanding it, but, like, suffering makes you who you are. Like, that's where you really find out who you are as a person, and, like, yes. you push your comfort zone, and that's where you learn the most about yourself. Yeah, and I agree. like that's what I loved about the military as well. Like suffering, and like you come out of it, and you're like, wow, like I did that. Like I'm a better person now for having suffered and like yeah. learned what I did while I was suffering. Whereas it, leave it, living an easy lifestyle where like everything is perfect, everything's in your comfort zone. A lot of people do it, but once well, you start yeah. suffering, you realize like what you're missing out on. I think suffering is an art. Yeah. Uh, surviving suffering is a skill. Yeah. Um, there's physical suffering, there's psychological suffering, there's, there's emotional suffering and all three of them, uh, have their place in life. You know, like I've done a lot of suffering in different areas of my life. I mean, I did run and do cycling. I did suffer. It was, it was tough to run for 45 minutes in the woods or over rocks and logs and Mm -hmm. stuff. That was fun, but it was hard. I mean, I remember saying my legs are hurting and I can't do this and I'm not going to make it. Next thing you know, 45 minutes are done. There you go. And then you feel great about that. And it's that mental, like, aspect of the it. achievement like i pushed myself even though i didn't want to the yeah. adrenaline of doing something you thought you couldn't do yeah and that goes also for suffering emotionally and psychologically when you're depressed or when you're down or when yeah. you have a breakup or when you lose a family member those suffering moments too are challenges that make you stronger you know yeah so it's it's, it's it can definitely be a black hole like when you're in them yeah like, definitely yeah but, but at your age, understanding that and coming to terms with that, that's that's very impressive. Yeah, I don't want to sound like an old man, but I mean, no. it does it does make make me well proud as a person that knows you that you're you're that strong. That's really cool. Well, thank you, appreciate yeah. it. So, um, football. Yeah, it's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah, are you going to watch the game? Of course. <laughs> Who are you going for? Uh, 
I don't know. I don't really have like a big preference this year. I guess the 49ers just because I'm tired of seeing the Chiefs win it all the time. Like I want to see somebody else win. That's almost my same. I, I like the Chiefs. They won me a Super Bowl pool, so okay. I, I got an award and a check for a big wad of cash for that. Oh, nice. So I do like the Chiefs because they were good to me. There you go. And and I like Can't the Chiefs because <laughs> the coach looks like Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Which, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if, if ever he watches this, I'm sorry, but it's true. You look like <laughs> Wilford Brimley. Uh, but I like the 49ers. I'm an old yeah. school football guy from the 80s and 49ers. Yeah, you know, they've got was, the classic. It's a classic team. Jerry yeah. Rice era and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm going for the 49ers as yeah. well. You going to a party? No, I'm just going to watch it at home, yeah. I got uh, two friends coming over having chili and chicken oh, really? wings. Yeah, it's going to be nice. fun. Yeah. You're welcome to come if you want to watch oh, the football game. I might let you know. All right. So, um, yeah, so your football, I, you know, I've never watched a female football game in my life. Yeah. Uh, except those As sexy things that they show on after the, the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, which I thought was really stupid, but I was curious, right? Yeah. Actually, some of them were really tough and good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? brought you into football like football is a tough sport for a man as much as for a woman there's no yeah. difference you guys are hitting each other hard and yeah. and i saw your game the first time i saw your game i go oh my god these people are these women are really beating each other up you know so how how did that come about oh i guess your perseverance and yeah. your training and all that love for surviving things that are hard <laughs> but what do you helped. like about football my dad is a big football fan. Mm -hmm. So he, me and my brothers, I grew up with like two younger brothers. We'd go out, there's a park in front of my uh, parents' house and we'd go out and play football. My dad would pair up with my youngest brother and I would pair up with the middle brother. Mm -hmm. And we'd tackle the shit out of each other. Just like throw each other everywhere and it was like competitive, like, so we always loved football, grew up watching football. My parents had season tickets for the Alouettes, so we were always at the home games, yeah, like in the cap. I was at the home games growing up, so like I grew up in a very football family. And uh, they signed us up for football, I think, when I was 10 or 11 for the LaSalle Warriors. Cool. Yeah. I don't know how my mom did it. My dad had a very busy schedule, obviously, being a ER doctor. But uh, my mom would do like three different fields in one day to pick one brother up, pick the other brother up, pick me up, and like I think back at it now, I'm like man, huge sacrifice for my parents. And but. I gotta give kudos to your parents. Hats off to them because not only is it hard for a parent to watch a child get beaten up on the field, <laughs> but they're medical people. They know what can oh, happen yeah. more than average person. I'm sure they've seen the concussions yeah. come in and all that. I remember uh, a girlfriend that I had, her daughter. I think she was 15 at the time. She played rugby. The mm. ambulance was always on the scene. Yeah. And usually somebody left in the ambulance. My mom used to joke she'd have the 9-1 dialed on her phone already. So all she had to do was the one and call. <laughs> Just speed but, dial. Yeah. Hold number one long enough. It'll <laughs> ring it. It's done. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, because letting your children do what they want to do, knowing that it might cause them harm or, or pain, is really hard for a parent. Like my daughter... Uh, ever since my daughter's born, I have a different attitude about life. Oh, for sure. Because letting her be like her moving out was a big deal, and saying she's going to be out in the world. It's like, yeah. what am I going to do? I'm not going to be there to protect her. Yeah. I'm not going to be there to hear her in the middle of the night saying I need help or something. You just so, hope that what you've taught her so far is good enough. To exactly. Let her go, yeah. So football, uh, to me, that's. Um, that's a no-brainer for for worry. I mean, you know, that's every game must be like, Eesh, I hope everything's okay, you know? Yeah, uh, but I think they've kind of gotten used to it with the lifestyle that I live. 
Yeah. I, I groom them from a young age, you know, like this No, but is at 10 years old, life. that's different. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not yeah. as tackle as 10. I don't, I don't think it's. Yeah, uh, it was tackle. Con- it was, yeah, oh, so yeah, I played peewee. And then that's the thing. When I went up to Bantam, then they called it. They're like, you're not going up. Because I, I was the only girl on the boys' team. Okay. So well, that's pretty to cool, Bantam, too. Yeah. They were that's, like, okay. that's gutsy. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that age, it's not a big difference. That's true. The muscle mass for men start to happen in the, yeah. at, at 13, 14. Yeah. So you're pretty much on an even playing field at that age. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So like just after that, that's when my parents said, okay, no more football for you. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously at the time I was destroyed, but yeah. But then I discovered the- There was uh, no female teams at the time? No, that was a thing. Okay, but later cause... on, I discovered the Montreal Blitz. We oh. get to be 18 to play for the Montreal Blitz. Okay. So once I turned 18, then I went to play for them. And oh, that so was you a lot did of play fun. for the Blitz. Yeah, okay. yeah. So they would travel. Like, we would play against Carolina, like Pittsburgh, New York, all these American teams because we were the, the only Canadian team in the league. So we'd get on the bus at, like, 4 or 5 in the morning, wow. bus to these cities, play a game, and then come back. That must have been fun, though. It was good times, yeah. I mean, 4 in the morning is tough. I, you know, I used to work, I used to get up to go to work at 3.30 sometimes. Yeah. But getting up to go camping at 3.30 in the morning, that's fun. Yeah. So if you're going to play football, you're enjoying that early morning. Yeah, you know, you're going with your teammates. Banter it's a with fun all bus your ride. teammates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what got you into national football? Uh, so the women's national team has been playing since, uh, I want to say 2012. And there's a championship every four years. So a world championship, kind of like the Olympics. Okay. So in 2016... I went to the selection camps, so it's like a big tryout. You play games, and they make you uh, run drills and stuff like that. And I ended up making the practice roster. So mm-hmm. I didn't make the starting team, which I was pretty bummed about, because I thought yeah. I'd done well enough to make the starting team. And I think like three weeks before the tournament started, it was in Vancouver, uh, in Langley, British Columbia that year. Oh, cool. I think three weeks before they called me, I was in Africa, Burkina Faso for like a school trip. We were doing humanitarian work, yeah, there. And they said like there's an extra spot on the active roster, like do you want to go? Cool. Obviously, I was like, yes. So I went over there, ended up, well, making the starting team from the practice roster to the starting team and like the the training camp. And then we won the silver medal. States won the gold, obviously, because they have way more teams than we do and football is way more developed in the States. They got a bigger pool to pick in. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it. And then 2022, again, uh, that was in Finland that year. So I went to Finland Finland to play. Wow. Where were you when I watched? Finland. That was the Finland game, Yeah, eh? yeah. 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 That was a good game. Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, you you guys played good, though. You guys... It was a frustrating tournament. Yeah. Yeah. But... Some some of those girls, you including, just like full... You guys are full on. Like, you're into it, you know? Yeah, a lot of people are surprised. Like, they don't expect that when they watch our games, but it's competitive football. Yeah. You can't compare it to, obviously, the NFL with CFL, but... Well, you can't compare the NFL to, uh, you know, minor leagues or or college leagues, you know? Although they do... They pick, you know, out of all the college leagues in the States, which every small town and city has a college league, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of people to... To pick from, so oh, yeah. out of all of them, it's it's the best and the the strongest and the fastest yeah. that get up, and that's what we see on Sunday afternoons. Yeah, right? which I'm looking forward to the game. Yeah, know. should be a good one. Yeah. 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 How did you think of the great? What did you think of the great cup? It was a great game. It, it was, was exciting. Awesome. Yeah. It was one of the yeah. best games period that I've seen oh, yeah. all year. That that catch right at the end of the game. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. was a good one. 
It was a good uh, good matchup for that one, yeah. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of the New York Giants a few mm. years back when the guy caught the ball at the end of his tips yeah. of his fingers. Yeah, David Tyree. And he pulled it out of the sky, and he, it was like he oh, had glue yeah, on Manningham. his grab. Yeah, Mario Matt on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was that one that won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun, too. Yeah. Um, okay, so Africa. Yeah. What happened? What, how, how did that happen? Well, that was when I was in my last year of firefighting school. Okay. And, like, there was, like, a selection, I guess, because every year they go out to do a humanitarian mission in Africa. So uh, they were going to three different places that year, but I got picked to go to the Burkina Faso. So that was, like, uh, they go off your grades, like, the uh, community work that you do, all this stuff, like, interviews. and So I got picked to go to Burkina Faso. So we went over there to like kind of respond to like uh, calls with them, see mm-hmm. how they operate, and then give them training on uh, medical training and uh, hazmat, so hazardous materials. So we were there for like three weeks doing some humanitarian work in villages and stuff like that, but mostly there to train their fire department. Wow, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And what's it like down there for the fire department compared to here? Because every country has their own little, yeah. you know, quirks Definitely and differences. Definitely makes you appreciate what we have here. So the yeah. equipment is better, the training's better. Yeah. What about the people? Are the they people just are as dri- nice. driven as you guys are? I, I mean, think the thing with like countries like that, or like, and it's not even just Africa. There's like some countries in Europe and stuff like that too. Like lifestyle is a lot more relaxed and laid back, and it's not yeah. like the constant rush of what we have here. So for them, like, if you tell them to be here at one, he might show up at four, okay. and there's no problem with that, and nobody cares. I, I don't know if it's more your generation, but I have a problem with that because yeah. I grew up, you're, you're five minutes early or you're late. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm kind of like if that If you're too. on time, you're already late. Yeah. But for them, like time is, they don't care about time. Like it's, life yeah, is yeah. relaxed. Life is chill. I'll get there when I get there. Don't worry. Nobody yeah. worries about anything. So it's a different uh, different way of life, basically. And it's a lot yeah. harder over there, right? So they yeah. have like 40 plus. So they can't be like rushing around like all day like we are. Like they take naps in the afternoon. Yeah. Like, it's a def- very different lifestyle. Yeah. Temperature changes your attitude and your adi- your character. Oh, yeah. It really does. I mean, people like us in Canada, we're very versatile and very adaptive. Yeah. Where some people, when it's 10 degrees mm-hmm. outside, they're crying. Oh, yeah. It's the end of the you world. Know? Yeah. So, and us, it's minus 15. It's like, hey, I got to yeah. go to work and scrape my car anyway. So, well, it, it, you I've take- been up north in like Shasasabi. Yeah. And there's like uh, Inuits and uh, Cree people there. Yeah. And it was like minus 60. And we'd be in like parkas, like, Everything, like everything, every piece of skin covered, they're walking around in a hoodie and a baseball cap. <laughs> like, it's minus 60, we're freezing, and they're walking around in hoodies and baseball caps. Well, that's like here in Quebec. You see a lot yeah. of guys wearing Parker and shorts, you shorts. know? Yeah. Shorts is a big one, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I would do it, but I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but I, I, I would I wear shorts. Yeah. My legs don't get cold. Oh, really? Nah, my upper body is what I need to keep warm. Yeah. But you look at places like New York City, if there's a snowstorm, they're, 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 oh, yeah. or even Toronto, they're yeah. shut down. Yeah. Whereas... We're more used to it. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't get the same snowstorms we do, so no. let's give them credit that they're not used to it. Yeah. But it makes us more resilient because we actually do deal with, well, not this year. We had barely any snow, but snow. But Yeah, this year uh, has been a weird year. Yeah. yeah, but in general, we get we get clobbered, you know. And we yeah. get, like, usually in January, it's minus 15 for at least a week or two solid. Yeah. And then, then some, you know, depending. Yeah. But um, Well, you know what I realized, like, not too long ago? 
is like snow plows and like street clearing and like all that snow operation stuff. That's like a very Montreal thing. We are the city in the world that displaces the most amount of snow. Yeah. We don't get the most amount of snow. No. But we displace. Yeah. In other words, we don't just push it to the side. Mm. We take it, truck it off, and drop it off somewhere. Dropping it in a dump somewhere, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we are the... Uh, people who complain about the Montreal uh, cleaning crews, they don't understand yeah. what the rest of the world deals with. Because with I was snow banks like, everywhere. Oh, West, they just leave it there. Yeah, or they push it to the side, yeah. and then you bury your car, and they bury your, your yeah. front yard. Because that's the way it was when I was younger. A lot of people in my generation say, well, we, got, we had bigger snow banks. Yeah, because they didn't snow blow it out. Yeah. They pushed it to the side, yeah. and they snowblowed it onto your lawn. Yeah. So I remember that the snowblower would pass, and they would make huge mountains on our lawn, and we would make forts inside of that. Oh, yeah, nice. Now they don't They do not do that. So everybody says, oh, it doesn't snow as much. Well, It's just the snow's not there. It's yeah. not being accumulated yeah. like it used to, you know? I'm not saying we don't have less snow some winters than others. I remember in the 80s, it was raining on Christmas. Yeah. And I remember in the 70s, we had four-foot, five-foot snow banks. Yeah. But those snow banks were most, a lot of it, not just the snow accumulation, but, you know, the, the snowblower blowing it onto our, our lawns, yeah. you know? So Canada has a lot of diverse weather areas, and I, I think cold does give people character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes you, like, again, well, you're kind of a result of the elements and the environment that you grow up in or mm. live in. So definitely, oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Are you still going to play football next year? Uh, So... We're kind of like in a rebuild period right now, the the Montreal Blitzes. Mm -hmm. We kind of got kicked out of the American League. <laughs> so, okay, what'd you guys do? Well, like they were just kind of tired of losing players at the border for like criminal records and stuff. Oh, so, okay. So, unfortunately, like, we don't want to go to Canada anymore, so if you want to play in our league, you got to come play in the States. Oh, and that's Which, not... obviously, we're not going to be making money off ticket sales anymore, because nobody's going to come down to the States to watch our games, and you can't make money off like food and... Yeah. sales and all this stuff so that kind of ended it so football is very big out west in western canada like saskatoon regina all these yeah. like alberta all these places have like a well-set league and mm -hmm. like a lot of the team canada players are all from quebec or like uh, saskatchewan alberta a few from manitoba but like out west football is big oh yeah so obviously, again canada being so big it's not feasible for us to go play out west our games all the time mm-hmm so we're trying to build a league here in Quebec, mm -hmm. and it's slowly picking up, but it's just not super competitive right now as it used to be. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I want to encourage them and everything, but like with all that's going on in my life, I don't really want to go there if it's not competitive. Oh, are you busy or something? Well, you got stuff. A to little do? bit, yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just looking at the list more. of things here that you do, and I, it's making me dizzy. Yeah, if I could probably squeeze a few seconds and make like an hour in a day, but yeah, it's yeah. really stringing it out there. Wow. But uh, I definitely would like to try for Team Canada again. We'll see. Uh, that should. I think this training camp is like this year, so we'll see. I I do miss playing football. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't really been into it for the last couple of years, so yeah. it's hard to like just jump back into it and get back to a level where you were. But yeah, we'll see. It's definitely I do want to do it. Yeah. No, I I I watched you play and your team and both teams, and it was it was a good game. I mean, yeah. it really was. I enjoyed the whole game. Yeah. It was really cool. They were good games. Frustrating for us, but yeah. yeah. It is what it is. That's what's that's sports. You're 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 a big music fan. Yeah. 
I, I I used to hear you when you cleaned the apartment. You'd listen to the Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of music do you listen to now? What's What's new on your your playlist? Uh, you know what? I've gotten a lot more into country. Oh no! You just lost me on that. I one. know. I knew I would. <laughs> I always kind of like did not like it and didn't want to get into it. But like recently, I've kind of been getting more into it. Mm-hmm. But, no I offense mean, to country lovers, but yeah. Oh, I used to be like you. I used to be yeah. like, ugh, country. Country yeah. and opera, I have a hard time with. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm up to the opera point. Maybe one day we'll have this My conversation. My father used to be but... an opera uh, uh, fan, and he actually sang opera. He sang oh, really? um, Ave Maria uh, at my first communion in the church without a mic, and wow. it blew the place apart. It was crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, but and that's but Mario Lanza is probably the only opera singer I know about and have memories listening to because my father listened to it all the time. But country and opera are not my favorite. No. So aside from well, what kind of country are you into? Like what kind of who's well, the artists? I'm kind of like just getting into it. So like the big names right now, Chris okay. Stapleton, Warren Zeters, uh, all that stuff. But no, other than that, uh, I like everything. Yeah. I mean, Rush obviously is my favorite band. Oh, it's your favorite band? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had like, I think when I was like 2017, like... I was like obsessed with Rush. Like that was my life. <laughs> Had all the posters in my room, all the albums. I have all the albums. Like huge oh, yeah. Rush fan. Yeah, yeah. Cool. You have the vinyls? No. You have the CDs, okay. <laughs> CDs, yeah. yeah. Well, when I hear album, I think vinyl right Yeah, now, vinyl, yeah. 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 That would be cool, but no, I just have the CDs. Well, maybe one day you can work on a collection of that and have maybe, your yeah. full Rush collection, you know? Yeah, that'd be good. So what other uh, so you're into classic rock to a point mm-hmm. what uh, what other are your favorite bands that you like from the uh, the old days as I am Well ECDC like I grew up like that's was really my introduction I wouldn't say I listen to them as much now but like definitely if I hear a song I'm not going to won't mind July Talk is like another band that I've been into That They're is an interesting band, band. Yeah. Uh, yeah well recent it's almost 5 6 years now Yeah Yeah that is a good band yeah. yeah, I can put their album on repeat and not have a problem with it. I like, like. the dual voice thing. Yeah. That is really yeah, cool. Yeah, they're really deep. and then yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the yeah. guy and the girl have complete opposite yeah. range, you know? It sounds and, really good, yeah. Yeah, I like it that. does cool. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. It's a good concept. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about a band. There was a band you told me about once that we both liked. Um, anyways, I forget. Uh, I'm going to move on to something that I find actually... Amazingly interesting. Uh, you're the first master door gunner in the Canadian military. Yeah. So explain what that is, because some people are probably wondering, <laughs> like, what does she do with a door? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people ask me that. Well, a door gunner is like uh, I shoot the machine gun out of the helicopters, basically. So uh, kind of act as self defense, and as well, we can do like supporting fires for troops on the ground or or whatever the case may be. But yeah, basically, is I shoot a machine gun out of the Canadian Forces helicopters. And you say different weapons. What are the array of weapons that they assign you to? Yeah, there's three different weapons that we can use on the uh, helicopter. So there's the uh, GAO-21, which is a 50 cal uh, weapon. There's the C6, which is a 7.62 round to a general purpose machine gun. And then there's the Dillon, which is like the mini gun. It's got six barrels that spin around and shoot rounds out. Yeah. And... Was I mistaken, but you told me once you kind of shoot up vehicles and stuff with those? Yeah, well, our targets are, like, uh, they're, they're targets on the ground, so we have, like, car- vehicle carcasses or, like, there's all kinds of stuff, but it's, like, a big open field, and the, our targets are all laid out in there. Hmm. So we'll be flying, and then the pilots will designate a target for you, and you got to engage that target. So i got to ask you. Yeah. The 50 mil. 
What's that like shooting cal? at a, Yeah, 50. What is that like? Yeah. Uh, it's a beast of a weapon. Like, yeah. The aircraft moves when you really? fire that weapon. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> you're making the aircraft shake. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, like, wow. it'll shift off to the side. Are, are you strapped in with a safety harness and all that? Yeah, we have, like, a bulletproof vest that goes around, like, it's got straps around your legs. Okay. And then you've got a monkey tail, it's called. So okay. it's strapped to your back of your vest and into the uh, helicopter. So there's no way of you falling out. That's a no. good thing. No. So what is it like doing that, though? How does that feel? Is it a rush? It is a rush. Yeah, I honestly, like, I never thought I would be doing that in my career. Like, that was okay. not something I joined the Army, and I was like, I'm going to be a door gunner. Yeah. But it just kind of worked out. Like, uh, I saw some poster at one point for selection, and I was like, ah, oh, well, seems like a cool job. I'll apply for that. And I ended up getting selected. But, yeah, that's, like, probably one of the coolest jobs you can do in the Army. Like, you're flying four feet from the ground, like, 15 feet from the ground, like, that's at incredible. high speeds, like, just shooting the gun out of the helicopter. You're maneuvering with another helicopter. Like, it, you have to be, like, switched on, is what we say, because mm-hmm. you don't want to shoot up the other helicopter or whatever when you're doing these patterns and stuff like that. Well, what's the possibility of friendly fire in a training? Are they all blanks? Uh, no, in training, we normally use live rounds. Yeah. So you could actually shoot down a, a friendly fire yeah. situation. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's... You're you're gonna be on your top game. This is not like oh we're just having fun. This is no, you yeah. you gotta be like in combat position yeah. ready, like mental state. Well anytime you're handling a weapon, yeah. it's like yes, you can enjoy it, but you know, there's a huge safety. And we're all trained like since day one when you join the military. Whenever you're handling a weapon, it's like this is serious. Like you could do a lot of damage with these weapons. Yeah. So, like, weapon safety is always huge, yeah. especially in the Air Force. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like aviation. I come from aviation, and when you work in an aircraft manufacturer, safety is number one. Like, oh, yeah. You make a mistake, that plane could crash. So yeah. I understand the, the safety protocol. Mm-hmm. I'm not comparing it because I'm not, you know. Well, well it, it is very comparable. It, it like, is comparable in the sense that if you make a mistake on an aircraft, you could cause a, a yeah. 50, 60 lives, depending on how big the aircraft is. Yeah. Like, coming from an Army background, like, safety was always big. But when I joined the Air Force, and I saw the whole, like, aviation aspect to it. So I didn't know much about aviation, because mm-hmm. it's obviously not what I grew up in. But now, like, I fly in helicopters and stuff, so I kind of had to learn. And that was, like, a huge learning curve. Like, mm-hmm. the Air Force is, like, way different than the Army. But, yeah, all these, like, checks and these maintenance and all these, like, the rules in the aviation are so strict. And yeah. they have to be, because anything goes wrong with these aircraft like people can get killed but yeah yeah, it's something that really opened my eyes like i didn't realize aviation was so like by the book and like so many rules and my my friend that was here this morning actually i did a podcast this morning with a friend from where i used to work yeah he's still working there uh he he do engine runs Mm -hmm. and basically you're escorting a plane out onto the tarmac and you're powering up the engines and there's a list of things you have to Mm -hmm. do in order yeah even if it's mundane or redundant yeah if you don't do it in order they scrap it and they start from the top again yeah Yeah. so yeah safety in aviation is like is and if anybody's worried about flying i mean if things happen it's because it's really a fluke of nature because these these things are double triple i mean this is redundancy is everywhere yeah everything becomes muscle memory yeah like the checklist like you're saying on start it's all like you go through the checklist but like the pilots know it like They've yeah. been doing it by the book so many years, it's muscle memory, and they still go through, like, okay, one, two. They still look at their sure, paper, yeah. and they still check it off. I mean, yeah. that's how important it is. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I know. I, I, I did switch that switch. No, yeah. no, no. I want to see the switch switched, and I want to see it checked yeah. off the list. You know? Yeah. 
Like, even certain switches, like, before they activate them or they flip them or whatever, they need confirmation from the other pilot or the flight engineer, like, this is the right switch, and they confirm before yeah. they can activate it or whatever. So My friend yeah. was mentioning that. He goes, when you're doing a test on an aircraft in the cockpit, you don't reach out until you see the button. Yeah. You have to be on the button and looking at it, and then you flip it. Yeah. There's no, like, yeah, I think it's right here. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just so. shut down an engine, you know? Yeah, like, or, or turned it on by accident yeah, and the exactly. guy's working on it or yeah, something. Like, yeah. There's so many different possibilities, you know, yeah. flaps. Oh, yeah. And we had a guy who almost lost his arm because the flap was activated by oh, mistake. Really? Yeah. Because we yeah. have this system at work where you have to put locks on the switches. Okay, yeah. So that switch can't activate that flap while they're Somebody's working on working it. Somebody's working on it, yeah. Somebody forgot. And that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, accidents happen so quick. Yeah, so that's yeah. why a lot of people don't realize safety. I mean, where I work now, I work at a pool store, and 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 it's 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 completely the opposite. Oh yeah, know? yeah. And I mention stuff like, well, that shouldn't be on the floor there, and that shouldn't be. Goes, what are you talking about? Yeah. If you can't Doesn't see I... it, you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, but I'm I come from a background of yeah. aviation where everything is completely scrutinized, like super stringent. Yeah. And even though I was in inventory, I mean, even inspecting parts upon receiving, I mean, you. We weren't inspectors, but we were post-pre-inspectors. We were there to make sure the inspector got the right thing to inspect, you yeah. know, and not even waste his time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to the Gatling gun. It's a, it's a Gatling gun, it's called, Yeah, right? it's called a Dylan, yeah. Dylan? Yeah. What's the most fun you've had in any weapon you've shot? In any weapon, like... Anything. What's the most exciting thing you've done weapon-wise? Yeah. Well, I'd say it's not even on the helicopter. Okay. It's the Carl G, the Carl Gustav, which is an 84-millimeter rocket. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of fun. Is that a on, on wheels and... Uh... No, you put it on your shoulder. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a... Okay, yeah. it's a carry. It doesn't have a... It has no, like, recoil. It's a recoilless rifle, they call it. How did he do that? Yeah. Well, all the force of this round when you fire it is all sucked inwards. Wow. So, like, when you fire it, like... You feel like your hair like go and like whatever you're wearing just like gets sucked into you because really? the force is all and you need to be two people when you're firing it. So one person firing it, the other person holding them. And if you're anywhere sixty meters behind this thing, like you're gonna your get hair fried. Your has been redone. Yeah, like yeah. you're not surviving that. Sixty really? meters. Yeah. Sixty meters yeah. and you're fried. Yeah, and even wow. us, we can't have anything back there. Yeah. If we fire it, that's just bouncing off whatever is back there and, and it's coming right back you. at us. Yeah. And what's it? What's it like? doing that like what's the what's the rush I it's mean, an I, adrenaline rush yeah, yeah for sure. it's, it's yeah. the biggest one you've got yeah i'd say that weapon is like probably the 50 cal is amazing too it's a lot of fun but it's for different I, but the carl gustav just for the feeling when you pull that trigger mm-hmm. i'd say is the best the 25 millimeter uh, bushmaster on the um armored fighting vehicles we have as well those those are fun those are they're powerful guns Okay. So, but for the, just for the feeling that you get when you pull the trigger, I'd say the Carl Gustav. And what's the distance on the Gustav? Uh, so like dismounted troops, like probably 400 meters. Then like a moving target, like 300, 400 meters. Uh, sorry, you could hit dismounted troops up to like a thousand meters. Wow. Yeah, but that's up to a thousand meters. They're not protected. They're out in the open. You could get hit with a frag of the round. But mostly like anywhere between 300 to 500 meters. For like a, an armored fighting vehicle, because they're anti, they're they're vehicle weapons. You know, okay, three, they're not meant to fire them at people really. They're for like bunkers or vehicles or stuff like that. You ever shoot anti-tank uh, weapons? 
Well, that that Carl Gustav is technically that yeah. could take down the tank. Yeah. Wow. I mean, At what distance would it do that? Because it must be weaker as it further it goes, or does it really have the same impact at any distance? It would have the same impact anywhere between three to five hundred meters, and you got different types of rounds too. Like depending how you place the round in the weapon, it can penetrate, then explode, explode on contact. Like there's different settings you can give the round to achieve oh. different effects. Yeah. So it has a sensor to explode before. Yeah. Like, it, so it can as it hit touches, as soon as it, blows. it touches, or it can pierce through the armor and then blow up inside, like a bunker buster is what we would call oh, it. Geez. Yeah. So it'll go through Wouldn't the wall. Want to be and the then one inside up. that thing? No. No, your brain is going to be scrambled. Yeah. Well, that brings me to a question. Okay, this is <laughs> probably a sensitive question, but. Let's say you're thrown into combat. Yeah. How how are you prepared mentally to think that you're destroying things that contain life? Yeah. I mean, it... I mean, you're I've doing it for the right it, yeah. reason. Yeah. You know, obviously, you're destroying the enemy yeah. who just wants to kill you. I get that. Yeah. But how does that affect you thinking that might happen? Have you ever thought about that? Like, sit there and go, like, well, what's going to happen if that happens? I haven't really, like, thought about it that much because it's my job. And, like, that's... If we're asked to do that, I trust that the people who are asking us to do it have... Like, there's a valid reason for it. Yeah. And you're kind of doing it to serve Canada, right? Yeah. So I feel like whatever you... The military does what nobody else is going to want to do. Like, that's... You're the last line of defense. It's the dirty word. Yeah. So, like, you have to do it otherwise... Like you think about World War Two, World War One, like it's very much a survival game. Like yeah. you're doing it to survive. But at the same yeah. time, you're serving a bigger purpose. Like yeah. you're doing it for your country, or you're doing it for like values and stuff of like that. So, I mean, obviously, you hope that you're there for the right reasons. That's something we can't control. No. And and I think what I've learned from military types like you is that you're not there to question, because if you question, you're weaker and you might get hurt. And you might hurt somebody that's... Yeah. Because you... I, I think it's like a firefighter. You're the same thing with a yeah. firefighter. You can't doubt the building you're running into. Yeah. You have to know your purpose, right? Well, to a limit, though. Like, you, there is place for, like, constructive criticism. Like, that's... This I understand. Yeah. But a command is... When it comes to the military command is a command, you can't... Yes. But there are rules of, like, you may obey an unlawful order. So if you're asked to kill somebody who's a prisoner or things like that, then obviously you're allowed... Like, you must disobey that order. Okay, so you have parameters that you can... Uh, yeah, there are okay. rules in place of, like, if you're asked to do something that's completely illegal or, like, but yeah. not by the Geneva Convention or not, like, you you're, you have to disobey that order. Okay. It's called not obeying an... It's an unlawful order is an what it's called. Order. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's interesting because uh, there's a lot of situations that could bring you to that. Yeah. Because... The situations you might be thrown in are complex. Yes. Yeah. They're complex and and they're um, they change, they morph. Yeah. Based on the, what's happening in in general, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't mean to put you in an uncomfortable position. Oh, no, I just no, 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 I find yeah. that very interesting because me personally, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't burn it. I couldn't run into a burning building. Mind you, I was in a burning building and I stopped on every floor to make sure people yeah. were okay. So yeah. I didn't think about it when I was doing it. Yeah. Well, I, you see, if you yeah. would have asked me to go in there and check if people were coming out, I would have said, "No, are you crazy?" But yeah. when I was in it, I every floor I got on, I opened the door and make sure everybody was okay because yeah. I could hear voices, you know. Yeah. Well, when you're in it, exactly. When you're in just, it, yeah. Like for us, like our, the training would just kick in. And if somebody's yeah. trying to shoot me, then obviously like I 
you're, want to shoot you're them in before it. they shoot me. Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 So nature, the 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 internal internal instinct of survival and protection. Yeah. You have both of those. Yeah. Which is honorable. Yeah. And, and I want to just say thank you for everything you do. Oh, well. Firefighting and military and football. Yeah. <laughs> because that's really cool. Well, I mean, thanks for the support, but it, I mean, they're just things that I... Honestly, those three things are like passions of mine. But like, don't belittle do the importance of what you yeah. do. That, uh, yeah. You, you know, one thing I learned too late in life is to value, to to understand your value and, and come to terms with it. Yeah. So if you are important respect that come to terms with it that yes what you do is important and you're doing something that is above and beyond the call of duty yeah therefore treat yourself that way it doesn't mean to be arrogant yeah. and pompous it just means to be aware of how important what you represent, what yeah. you represent. and that yeah. makes what you represent more honorable yeah that's a fair yeah. yeah because what you do is amazing yeah you know i mean on every level you know i mean you run into a burning building and you run into a firefight. I mean, that's, and you're doing it for other people. You're not doing it for mm. yourself. Yeah. So that is important. So you should be proud of that. Well, thank I, you. I'm very proud that I know you. I'm proud I know Sammy and Adam. Uh, you guys do stuff that yeah. really blows my mind, you know? Well, yeah. I think we all have it in us yeah. to want to help other people and and contribute to making the world a better place in a sense. We all have yeah. our way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. we all help. I mean, I believe in helping people all the time. Yeah. And I believe in being kind and being polite and, and, and making people feel good about themselves. Yeah. That's, that's part of it, but it's not the same as what you do. No. You know, but I mean, it's part of being a human being. You yeah. Know? That's what we do, right? I feel like we've lost a lot of that in society these days. I think so. Yeah. I went to Costco the other day, and um, I lost faith in humanity. Oh, yeah. Costco th- would be a place to lose faith in humanity. <laughs> I think when you walk through the door, there's a, there's a signal, a, a radio wave, yeah. a, a wave of yeah. some energy that turns it nice people an into idiots. Yeah. And it didn't work on me because I was still nice, but <laughs> people were cutting me off, looking at me crazy, not, not, not even smiling and yeah. saying hi when you pass by. I'm like that. I'll say hi to people. Yeah. I smile at people. I think people think you're, you're you're strange when you do that nowadays. Yeah, it's not very common. Or like people are worried that you're going to get in conversation with them and they don't want they don't have time for a conversation and they don't that, want to talk to like strangers. The, so. That time, that's an yeah. interesting subject because people treat time um in the wrong way, in the opposite yeah. way because the time you spend conversing and ha- like this is this is why I'm doing this podcast and yeah. that's why I call it conversations with Kevin because conversations is spending time with people. Like now we're spending time, we're yeah. talking, and we're learning about each other. I think that's valuable. Yeah. It's more valuable than that five seconds you could have smiled and said hi to somebody at Costco. Yeah. You know? And I think, well, with phones and the internet and social media and everything, like people are losing that. Like everybody's just on yeah. their phone and like sucked into this other world instead of like living the present moment. We have the tools to reach out and comfort more people ever. Yeah. And all we do is criticize what they think and say. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, people just use, yeah. I look at comments stuff on sometimes on social media, and I'm like, why? This is never something you would say in real life to a person, like, face-to-face. No, exactly. Like, why would you put that on the internet or, like, think that that's okay to, like, write something like that? I always think to myself, would you say that to somebody in the schoolyard when you were 17? Yeah. No, like, you'd get beaten up. Yeah. 
probably by him and three of his friends or her and three of her yeah. friends are all together at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with social media and stuff. There's no consequences. You can write what you no. want, say what you want. Yeah. Nobody's going to come after you. Or like. It's often very cowardly. Yeah. Yeah. you got the key, they call them keyboard warriors. Keyboard warriors, yeah. 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 Well, speaking of social media and all that, what do you do when you're not doing all those other things? What <laughs> relaxes you? I like reading. Reading is yeah, good. Yeah, reading books. What kind of uh, subjects do you like to read? Uh, I like a lot of self-help books, but right now I'm reading uh, Chris Hadfield's book. Oh, yeah. So he's written two like uh, novels. Really? So I'd read his biography, which I had really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, so he wrote two novels, so I'm reading the first one right now. So that's been a lot interesting. I haven't read fiction in like a while. So okay. to get back into like a story kind of novel, yeah, it's been good. But a lot of self help books, I like like motivational books. Or when I was your like age, I read a lot of self help books. Yeah, it's it's sort of a, a natural phase you would go through yeah. as you get older. You yeah. Know? Uh, did you read any of Neil Peart's books? I did. Yeah, I read uh, Ghost Rider. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard that was really good. It I was remember. good. Yeah. I stopped reading when my eyesight went down. It just oh, makes really? me tired to read, and I'm too lazy to wear yeah. glasses. <laughs> audiobooks. A lot of people go into audiobooks. I uh, these used days. to listen to audiobooks. Um, I don't seem to be able to sit down and take my time to do stuff like that because no, I always really? want to be doing something else. Yeah. Like I, I do a lot of music. I'm doing this now, and it takes up most of my time yeah. when, I'm, when I'm not working, you know. And then I watch football and have friends yeah. over and stuff like that. So I guess for it, me, it's like when I'm driving. Like they're handy. I do a lot of driving, so I just pop an audiobook. In That's there. when I used to listen to audiobooks. Yeah. Is when I used to drive yeah. long distance. Now, when I drive, I don't even play music anymore. Oh, really? I just, silence. Yeah, I just love doing silence. <laughs> yeah, that moment of silence in my day where I'm driving somewhere is just. I just love it. Yeah. I find music very distracting when I drive now, but I'm getting old, so that's my. Yeah. That's my excuse. Well, it's possible. I mean, I might get out there one day. But oh, yeah. there's a lot of people my age who blare their music, so oh, it's yeah. really not true. <laughs> it's just there me. You go. Well, uh, I'm old before my time. No, really? Yeah. Oh, whatever works for you. Eh? What about uh, entertainment? What kind of movies do you like? I like pretty much any movies, but I haven't really been into movies recently. Me like, neither. You know what? I find movies very redundant lately. Well, it's always the same thing or like the same yeah. concepts. I very, used to go to the movies all the time. Very predictable, I find yeah. movies now. Yeah. Since COVID, I haven't really been into... I've been watching a lot of series, though. Like mm -hmm. I started Masters of the Air yesterday, which is like the... I guess it's kind of like a band of brothers, but for World War II pilots. Okay. Yeah, so I started cool. that yesterday. The first episode seemed all right. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'm more into like TV series now than mm -hmm. movies. Yeah. Are you into science fiction? Uh, yeah. 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 That's my biggest uh, passion for entertainment and science fiction. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I was never into like Lord of the Rings. I hate no, those that's movies. fantasy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't, oh, science fiction. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. don't like fantasy. I like Star Trek. And yeah. I, like I love Star Wars. Doctor Who yeah. is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say as much I'm into that. But. I like stuff that takes you places that you can't even mm. imagine exist. You yeah. Know? I like seeing what other people could imagine and create with their own mind, you know? Yeah. I think that's really cool. It's crazy. Some people's imagination. Yeah. So if I was to ask you what, what describes you in your own words? Oof. Good question. Because you're a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, what represents you the most? Instead of just like somebody who's very motivated and who wants to like, like I always tell people I want to put as much stuff as I can in my toolbox. Mm -hmm. So like... I'm never going to say no to like a new experience or like a new uh, opportunity or whatever. And I think 
that's what's helped me out a ton in life with everything that I've done. It's just not being shy to try new things and like go after different things. So yeah, I was willing to learn and, and try new things and just add to my toolbox basically. That's cool. Cause it's very rare that it, like in life, I'm not going to go back to that cool toolbox and be like, Oh yeah, like I did this. That's going to help me a lot with this experience here. Like everything we do in life and you're going to learn as you go along, it gets deeper and deeper the toolbox. Yeah. And there's more drawers. Yeah. And often you're going to meet people when you're older that forget they have those tools. Yeah. And that's sad. And that's important that you revisit your toolbox and polish up your tools, put them in yeah. order. Take some put stuff the, out, put some other stuff yeah, in. Yeah, take like, the ones that are useless now because you got a new tool that works better. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what life is all about, you yeah. know, is, is retooling, as we say yeah. in the aviation industry. You retool something, you yeah. know. So, yeah, I, that's, I like your comparison to the toolbox thing. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I'd say that's really what, yeah, just all the stuff that I've done is just like, and I always want to do more stuff. Like, I always want to try new things, like triathlon. That's the new thing since last year. Yeah, that's your new but, passion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your so, new obsession. Yeah, exactly. And you're starting another one in June, right? You're, yeah. you're going to be training for June. Doing a half Ironman in June, yeah. Which is how many kilometers? It's a 1.9 kilometer swim, 90 kilometer bike, and a half marathon. So 90 kilometer bikes. So yeah. right there, I couldn't finish that. <laughs> the bike is like the area I can improve on the most because I never really was big into biking. The last time I owned a bike, I was like 18 and it got stolen. So that was just to like get around to like friend's house or whatever. Yeah, I never yeah. into cycling. No. So I've had to get into that. So it's definitely a discipline where I can improve the most, but it's fun. I enjoy it. Got like a, Bikes are expensive now. Yeah. I got really lucky. Like I shopped like a few months on Facebook Marketplace and I found a triathlon bike for like $1,500 off That's a guy who inherited it from somebody. He didn't know anything about it. He just wanted to get rid of it. Okay. So You're I lucky. jumped on that. Yeah. You're lucky yeah. because I, I, where I work, the brother of my boss owns a, uh, a bike shop. Okay. You know, the bike shop down yeah, there. Yeah. And some people pay $500 to $1,000 just for a wheel. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and, cycling and has been like the most expensive thing, like just like a tire or like, yeah, people spend like $17,000 on a triathlon bike. Yeah. And then you got to buy the wheels, you got to buy the pedals, like nothing comes with it. And all this equipment is like super crazy. Yeah. Cycling can be a very expensive hobby. I, it blows my mind that he tells me the prices. He goes, oh, I just sold a $3,000 bike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, who yeah. pays for that? I mean, uh, you get a bike, you like tire for 300 bucks. I'm happy. Oh, yeah, exactly. You can get like, exactly. Well, some people are into like, they want the top end stuff and the, all the fast speed and like, they're going to yeah. put thousands of dollars on the stuff when you can get something pretty good. Like my bike's 2012, 1500. Works fine. Does what yeah. it has to do. I don't need I, anything more. I'm, I'm uh, like, I play guitar and I don't have expensive, I have a, Maybe a four thousand dollar Les Paul that I paid six hundred bucks for in nineteen eighty six. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. It's worth that now because it's the price is. I, oh, I would yeah. never buy a brand new Les Paul at four thousand dollars. Yeah. Never. No. I have three hundred dollar guitar that from China and it plays great. It's fine. Yeah. I don't need all the fancy bells and whistles and yeah. and when you and, and it's like amplifiers and speakers. Mm -hmm. It's like people go crazy. It's like the tone. It's like really Doesn't just make play huge, guitar. Yeah. You know, it, 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 Jimi Hendrix didn't worry about his tone. Yeah. People liked his tone and they yeah. want his tone, but yeah. he never worried about his tone. Yeah. He just plugged it in and played. And he goes, how loud can it go? Oh, one more trouble. <laughs> this That's one it. goes to 11. Yeah. <laughs> Monty Python. Uh, not yeah. Monty. Yeah. Mon uh, not, uh, spinal, spinal Tap. tap. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because um, 
we were the first podcast I did with my friend James, who was here this morning. He brought a gong, okay, and we ended it with him hitting the gong. Nice. And he goes, "Oh, the sustain! <laughs> it goes on forever." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Now, hearing it from yeah. you, being a different generation, is, yeah. is is cool. I mean, I think that's a transcending generation. Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to call myself in the chat room 12, oh, and really? nobody understood why, because <laughs> I was one above yeah. 11, right? Because yeah. of the sustain, and I, I mean the amplifier. So that, that was funny. That's good. Is there anything you want to conclude with? Anything that you want to tell us about yourself or about anything that, that you think should be, you know, No, heard? I mean... Thanks for having me on. Well, that was great. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. It flew by. But, uh, yeah, it did. I mean, I, I I had no moment of pause. Yeah. You are a very interesting young woman. Well, so are and you. And I'm proud to be your friend. Well, I'm yeah. not a young woman. But no, yeah. but you're an interesting person. Yeah. <laughs> I was just being yeah. sarcastic. That's my dry British humor. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm proud to have you as a friend yeah. as well as Sammy and Adam. You guys all make me feel like there's hope that there's people doing good things out there. Yeah. And, and especially the fact that you're a gunner. I think that's the coolest thing. And I think yeah. a lot of young women should take a lot of example from what – if any young women are listening, they yeah. should take example that you can do anything. Oh, yeah. You, you could blow up Jeeps if yeah. you want and tanks. I mean, it's doable. I mean, I've had a lot of people in my life telling me, like, no, you can't do that. You can't do this. Or you can't do that. Like, just don't listen to them. No. Go after it. Have fun. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, at least you learn something from it. Like, yeah, It doesn't work out for men, too. Yeah. It doesn't work out for a lot of people. Exactly. People have to keep doing what they want to do until yeah. they get it. And if they can't do it and it's not in the cards, do something else. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing today. People say you can do anything. No, you can't. No. I'm I'm six foot two, three hundred pounds. I will never be a, a jockey on a horse. <laughs> yeah, fair okay? enough. No matter how yeah. much I want to do it, yeah, and I'll never be an astronaut or a tennis player. Yeah, I don't matter how much I work out, I'll never be a tennis player. Yeah, but you can be what you can be, the best you can. Yeah, that's important. And if know? something doesn't work out, then you gain some experience and some knowledge from exactly. that, and you just. For me, when things didn't work out, it just other opened other doors, opened yeah. other opportunities. So. And if a door doesn't open, the window's open too. There you go. Yeah. You can jump out the window if you have to, but there's a way out. Exactly. (laughs) There's always a way. And there's always a way in somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to work hard for it. I really appreciate this time. Thank you for sparing your time today. And you're a busy person, so I I appreciate that very much. Yeah. It's a good time. And we're going to say goodnight, goodbye, good morning, wherever you're Mm -hmm. listening to this, because I have no idea. And uh, be nice to somebody because it's worth it and it makes people happy. It's good to make somebody happy or smile once a day at least. So, see you next time, and take care.